Hello again, Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. I'd like to take a second look at a book by Mark Roberts called Can We Trust the Gospels? So it's the whole book's about uh, the reliability of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'd like to go to chapter 6, subtitled, um, Did Early Christian Oral Tradition Reliably Pass Down the Truth About Jesus? So this is something that's a sticking point for a lot of people who say, well, wait a minute. If the manuscripts that we have are copies of the originals, we don't know exactly when the originals were, were written, but they were certainly years after the time of Jesus, which means oral tradition was the way the stories were first spread about Jesus. Do we, can we really trust those? So that's what this chapter is going to deal with. And Robert starts right off with talking about uh, the example of that game Telephone. I guess sometimes it's called Whisper Down the Alley. You get a bunch of people that sit in a circle. Somebody secretly writes down a sentence, and then one person whispers it to the next, and that person whispers it to the next, and you know how it goes. By the time it comes around again, it's completely garbled. Everybody laughs. But is that what happened with the oral tradition about Jesus? Did one person tell somebody else a story, then they told somebody else, and so on, and it got really, really garbled? He says, no, that's not a good analogy at all. And he said, we can put our trust in the oral traditions about Jesus that are in the Gospels. So that's good news. Well, why can't, why doesn't it work like the game of telephone? And he says, well, telephone works because we're not very good at memorizing. We really aren't. I know, speaking for myself, I have to write down my own phone number on the back of my cell phone. Sad, but okay, there it is. Um, but people can be trained to memorize. I remember that there was a book, a really good book, just called The Memory Book by Jerry Lucas. He used to be a pro basketball player. And he told ways that people could memorize things. And he used uh, medieval Christians as examples. And they memorized just enormous chunks of information. They had little tricks to do it. So I won't take the time now. But uh, Robert's point is that people can be trained to memorize. He says we can put our trust in the oral traditions about Jesus that are found in the Gospels. So he starts off by saying, well, the reason the game of telephone works and is really funny is that people can't memorize at all. We, we're terrible at memorizing. We don't have to. We've got everything uh, down through electronic v, uh, devices, don't we? And uh, he says people can be trained to memorize in time. And he said the early followers of Jesus didn't live in our technological society, they lived in an oral culture. Very few people were literate. And so they remembered all sorts of things. Their, their oral culture had context and, and stories would be passed on faithfully. Teachers and storytellers had to be accurate. That was a, a requirement. They had some freedom, but they had to be accurate. And they did their work in community gatherings. So if they got part of a story wrong, You've got the community right there. They would say, uh-uh, no, no, that wasn't it. Okay, so he says, uh, let's, let's talk about the people who passed on these traditions about Jesus. They were trained by their culture to memorize and recount all sorts of things with accuracy. And especially think about the Jewish rabbinic traditions. Okay, well, the people who followed Jesus as disciples, they were trained to listen and to get all the information down as well as possible. It says, uh, don't forget Luke. He claims at the beginning of his book that uh, he received traditions from those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning. Well, who would that be? Apostles, probably. Um, I'm guessing Mary as well, because we get Mary's 
account from uh, her perspective in the beginning of Luke. But apostles, so these eyewitnesses, they'd been set apart by Jesus. They were the players in this telephone game, and they really knew how to memorize. And it says on top of this, uh, Robert says, who started this game? Jesus. He was the first player. And he wasn't just any old player. This isn't like telephone where you're sitting around. It's just a friend sitting there. This is somebody that's the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, the one that's going to bring God's kingdom. So these apostles are not just kind of half-heartedly listening. They, they did appreciate Jesus as a wise teacher, but he was the embodiment of God's wisdom. And so the earliest Christians were confessing Jesus to be Lord. They had memories, a motivation to remember and to memorize what Jesus said and to transmit it accurately. This is not a casual kind of thing, a very important thing. Also, the early Christians thought that Jesus' teaching was unique and more important than any other idea in the world. So uh, Roberts gives some examples of things that are unique and uh, amazing that Jesus said. He said in Matthew 7, 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. In Mark 13, 31, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Uh, Jesus says to the twelve, Do you want, uh, do you wish to go away? This is John 6, 67. And Simon Peter says, Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So these early Christians believed these things all to be true about Jesus. There's no way they want to mess it up. They want to get these words exactly right because these are words about salvation. These are words about God's nature. These are words about their future. So they had every reason to be accurate about what Jesus had to say. Um, many of the sayings, Roberts also points out, would help with memorization. You know, sometimes Jesus would use interesting images to say things like it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for somebody who's rich to go to the kingdom, enter the kingdom of God. Uh, sometimes Jesus would use a punchy short statement like you cannot serve God and wealth. Uh, sometimes Jesus used parallelism of some kind. Uh, opposites like a house built on sand versus a house built on the rock. Jesus used parables. Those are short stories that were uh, very interesting and had twists at the end, and people would remember those. I also think about an example of Jesus saying, ask, and uh, you'll find it, uh, ask, seek, and knock, right? So it's like a triple thing there, more parallelism. So a lot of what Jesus said would have been fairly easy to memorize. Also, he said, uh, Consider the miracle stories in the Gospels. They followed a set pattern. Uh, they would start with a statement of the problem, a description of the miracle, and then a statement of the response. But So they were formed in a particular way that made it easy to remember. Um, so it says also they had leaders in the church after Jesus was gone. And it said the whole community would act together to provide a place for people to come and tell these stories and to weigh them by the memory of that community. And this is brought up in uh, Richard Bauckham's book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. And it said, uh, Robert says, you know, you'll hear skeptics talk about this oral period before the Gospels got written as if it was some kind of free-for-all. Anybody could just stand up and say anything. Oh, Jesus said this. Oh, Jesus said that. But it said this didn't happen. The early Christians thought Jesus was unique as a teacher, and they thought his words were authoritative. They were life-giving. They, they had to get them right. They had a strong motivation to remember this. 
So the early Christian community would help make sure that what they said was accurate. Uh, one scholar said Jesus' closest disciples had an authoritative position in early Christianity as witnesses and bearers of the traditions of what Jesus had said and done. So you had those people that lived on after Jesus was gone, and they could always look to them to say, is this correct? Is this, what we, um, is this accurate as far as the stories that we were told? So much in the oral tradition also makes us think it's accurate because much of it doesn't reflect on the needs of the early church. If people are just making up things about Jesus, if they're just saying, oh, here's a good story, hey, let's have this, let's create this story, that's not the case. If Christians are just going to make up stories about Jesus and sayings about Jesus, he said you'd think he would have spoken more about helpful instruction like Jewish-Christian relationships or uh, what do you do on the Sabbath or what about women in ministry, apostolic authority, or even his own messiahship, but that's not in the Gospels. So the Gospels were carefully created to echo the words of Jesus rather than giving people what later people might have wanted. So he says, uh, here's something else you might think about the telephone game. It works when it's secret, right? You have to whisper from person to person. Not everybody gets to hear it. But he said, uh, that's not what happened in, in the early ministry of Jesus. It wasn't done secretly. It was done in, in the open. It was in the public squares in the church. So people, a lot of people heard it. And they, they heard him say it more than once, didn't they? Sometimes we get the same kind of story, same examples from different Gospels. So these same stories are told and they're retold. And uh, you can tell because they're slightly different in some of the Gospels. They weren't delivered in the exact same words every time. But the members of those earliest churches would have heard these stories more than once, over and over, as they were told by the eyewitnesses. And it says the more you hear them, the more repetition you get. That helps your memory. And uh, Roberts gives an example of just things that he's remembered because he's repeated them so often. The Pledge of Allegiance, the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm. Robert says he can sing more than 100 hymns and songs, not because he's musical, but he's sat in church for so long. So I think that's important to realize that, too, that it's uh, repetition that happens. Um, he says early Christians, and especially the teachers, tried to be sure that the words of Jesus they expressed were preserved as careful as possible. And uh, he says, we may still think of these long chunks of uh, teachings of Jesus to, to memorize that it may seem unrealistic, but he said, considering an analogy, and I think this is really interesting. He said, Muslims are expected to memorize chunks of the Quran. He said, but many go on to memorize the entire book. Well, that's roughly the uh, length of the New Testament. So here are people today who are able to do that. So why, why are they able to do that? Well, context, because they've encountered it. They've repeated it more than once. But I think this is important. He said, what's the greatest motivation for these pious Muslims? Because they believe the Quran has Allah's own words. So if you're memorizing the Quran, you're internalizing the words of God. And so in the same way, the early followers of Jesus had the ability, yes, but they had the motivation to pass on oral tradition. So he says, if you put this all together, you have a combination of the context, the people, the content, the community, and that process help people faithfully recount what Jesus said and did. So he said, you've got the first century dating for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
you said you got them using earlier oral traditions, and you said that adds up to a rationale for trusting the Gospels. He said these books accurately represent what Jesus himself actually did and said. He said we may not have the original Aramaic, uh, but he said we have Greek translations. He said these things faithfully reproduce Jesus' actual words and deeds, and I think that's important. So it's, this is a good book. I don't know if I mentioned it uh, for this podcast. It's called Can We Trust the Gospels? It's a nice short book. It's uh, The whole thing is, let's see here, it's under under 200 pages, and it's written easily uh, to understand, and yet he knows his material. So he's got things like, what about the contradictions? Can we know what the original manuscript said? What about miracles? Um, how about archaeology? Does that support the reliability? Um, why are there only four Gospels? So this may be something that you would consider as opposed to some of these lengthier, a little bit harder to get through volumes. So this is, can we trust the Gospels? All right, well, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk again soon.